How are we enjoying the collapse of civilization? Yeah. It's not as interesting as I thought it would be. Not yet. Well, yeah. It's like barely any super mutants. Not yet. <laughs> oh, Ellen, you didn't! <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Kyrie. Hello. And Jack. Hello. And the world is ending. Hooray! In the most pathetic capitalist way it could. <laughs> Stock markets are crashing, plague is spreading. Uh saw a dog the other day, that was pretty cool. Donald Trump is trying to buy companies working on vaccines. What? Oh yeah, did you not see that? No. No. So Germany, the the German company that's working on the vaccine, yeah, sort of did a, a sort of announcement to the press going, lol, Trump tried to buy us. Uh, <laughs> and then the American ambassador to Germany went, No, he didn't. No, this is terrible lies and smears. And so the German health ministry went, No, he totally did. We've got the paperwork. Um <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, so yeah, the the president of the United States of America is trying to profiteer off of coronavirus. What a world we live in! Amazing. Yeah, he was trying to guarantee it could only be sold in America to Americans. Uh, so anyway, that that sucks. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I am also working from home for the foreseeable future. Oh god damn! How uh, is everything like set up? Okay there or? Yeah, no, we uh, we literally have been doing almost nothing but contingency planning for a week now. Excellent. Uh, so we've all done a day working from home to ensure it all works and everything. So yeah, we were pretty much ready to go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we are now working from home for the foreseeable future, which is interesting. Mm. I have How are more... you both coping? <laughs> I have more work due to one of my coworkers being isolated for a week. Oh. Which was a nice surprise today. It's like, oh, okay. And everything is business as usual here. There is literally no 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 change in the day to day here in in Redditch. Wow. Yep. I I would actually find that more disturbing than any any other yeah. circumstance right now. Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we have any contingency plans? No, but don't worry. If you wash your hands, just make sure you sing Happy Birthday so you know exactly how long. <gasps> Use normal time, you fucking giant buffoon. Sorry, I'm just yeah. No, everything's fine here now. How are you? <laughs> Uh, cool. Let's let's not dwell on this subject because it is endlessly depressing. It is a little bit. I hadn't really thought about it until we just had this conversation now. Instead, I'm going to ask a question that we traditionally ask at the beginning of this show, but unlike usual, I hope it will then spill out into an entire episode of enthusiastic rambling. Curry, have you seen any films recently? Yeah, I went and saw a movie. What movie did you see? I went and gone and, and saw, uh, man, I'm fucking up words. 
I I went and saw uh, uh, the Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Did you, or did you go and see Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey? Yeah, there that there was that slight sort of caveat to it. Yeah, I guess. But for me, it was Birds of Prey brackets comma asterisk underscore uh uh closed captions that's not a thing hi everybody um how are we all are doing you, are you okay i'm clearly <laughs> not like Kyrie. do you need to self-isolate I, I are mean, you ill it's it's not self-isolating if you never had any friends to begin with <laughs> I, I suppose you did rather self-isolate by moving to reddit <laughs> It's as isolated as you can fucking get, and I'm saying this to somebody who moved north of the goddamn wall. <laughs> ah. uh, have, I, have you seen Birds of Prey, Jack, or are we going to be spoiling this horribly for you? Uh, I have not, but I don't mind. Okay. I, to be fair, I've, not, I've, I've still not seen Suicide Squad, so... Well, you're not missing much there. Yeah, you, you don't no, need to, yeah. I, I, I've not seen Margot Robbie as Harley in anything, so... Well, this is the one to watch if you yes. want to see Margot yeah. Robbie you, you as could, Harley. You, you can absolutely <laughs> skip Suicide Squad. Yeah, you that, really, the, really can. That's the plan. Yeah. Good wish plan. I'd, wish I'd had that plan. <laughs> and to be honest, knowing what happens in this film is not going to spoil it, because yeah. the whole thing just oozes style and feeling good. No, right. I, I, I'm really glad that we managed to get through that explanation without once using the phrase, yeah, you absolutely don't need to see... Oscar-winning movie, Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. But, I mean, the Oscars are all made up and it don't count anyway, so... Well, it, it, it's, it was for costume design, so... And the costume design wasn't awful. And I'm always, I'm, I'll always give credits to when it's like an artistic thing or uh, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I went and saw Birds of Prey. Is such a good film. And yeah, I, I know that actually knowing what happens in the film doesn't ruin it because I still enjoyed it the second time I went to go and see it. <laughs> and the third. So, uh, yeah. You, you went without me. No, I, 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 <gasps> I downloaded it and watched it. <laughs> I, I did the illegal thing. Oh, oh you monster. But we know you that out of the episode. You will, be, you will be buying it legally when it's released. Oh, fucking yes. The only reason I downloaded it illegally was it wasn't yet available to download legally. Once I, it is, I will. It, it, was, it was showing at the cinema here on Sunday, which was... Uh, no, Saturday, sorry. So that was two days ago. So that's when, when Ron and I went and saw it. So yeah, it is a Harley Quinn movie at last, but it's not just a Harley Quinn movie. Absolutely. That it's not really a Birds of Prey movie either. Yeah, it's, to be honest, it's <laughs> it's a bit weird. It is. It's got some of the Birds of Prey in it. I it's, guess. Got, it's got enough to sort of not feel crowded. It's got uh, Black Canary and Huntress, so yeah. you know they are classic Birds of Prey characters. For those unaware, Birds of Prey is, I'm gonna say, all girl. It's not, but I'm gonna say an all girl squad from DC Comics. It's largely women, but there have been, uh, like, Hawk, I think, was a member briefly. Mm. Um, and I think there was another guy who had a brief run in the Birds of Prey. But originally set up as um, a team around Barbara Gordon when she was Oracle. Oh, okay. 
And indeed, Barbara was slated to be in this movie oh. uh, until DC were like, actually, we have other plans for Barbara Gordon in the movies. Could you not? Oh, oh okay. And they Interesting. were like, oh, um, okay, we'll do something else, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's somewhat encouraging then. Yeah, the idea that we might also get a Barbara Gordon movie is quite encouraging. Yeah. And what's even more encouraging is that Joss Whedon was attached to write and direct the Barbara Gordon movie and now isn't. Oh, bonus! Which is, that's even more encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, um, it started from a one-shot. This is why Gail Simone didn't create it. It started from a one-shot by Chuck Dixon. Uh, who made a comic called Black Canary and Oracle, Birds of Prey. Mm. And it was just the two of them. Uh, and it was just a one-shot. But then Gail Simone came along and went, do you know what? I want to do this as an ongoing, and I want to add Huntress. And <laughs> that's like the core Birds of Prey team. Cool. And that's what we didn't quite get in this, although we do get Black Canary and Huntress, uh, and brilliant versions of both. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love Jenny Smollett-Bell as Black Canary. She does such a good job. All her own singing, which is oh impressive my god. as hell. I know, right? Oh, Jesus. It, but her she voice doesn't is fucking quite, phenomenal. It is, but she doesn't quite steal the show as much as Mary Elizabeth Winstead does as Huntress. I, yeah, I, this is the, I don't know if you saw my, my sort I of semi-Facebook review, which is just like, it's going to be really hard for me to come up with any kind of formalized review for this film that isn't just screaming the words Mary Elizabeth Winstead at the moon. She was fucking phenomenal. That was my second favorite sort of tweet or Facebook status review I've seen of this film. Yeah. Uh, my, my first on the list is someone said, Birds of Prey suffers from not having enough Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but so do most movies, and it's got more Mary Elizabeth Winstead than them, so it's one of the best. I, I was like, I, I kept having this thing where I was like, what have I seen? So I know the name, obviously, but I was like, what have I seen her in? Where, I recognise the face, but what? what have I, and she is this, Ramona Flowers. And then I got home, I was like, son of a bitch, that's like, how many years has it been? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Uh, although in the interim, huh. you you may have seen her in the Fargo TV series, which nope. she's done uh, quite a lot of episodes of. Mm. Uh, she was in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Nope, didn't see that either. Which no, I I, I didn't either <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, she's done, you know. Bits she's, and pieces here yeah, and there. She was in some working. of the Love, Death, and Robots stuff on Netflix, which we've oh, talked cool. about before. Yeah. But more importantly, she's now Helena Bertinelli, the most socially awkward vigilante ever made <laughs> uh, real on film. I have such eyeshadow and haircut envy. It is <laughs> unfucking believable. I honestly, I just love that we actually get to see a vigilante practicing her badass lines in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, that was adorable, and it's it rang so true. And I getting, loved it. And getting blue-balled every time she tries to use it. <laughs> or even try to use her name. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. There's a conceit in this film that when a character is introduced, you get a little splash screen of their name, and Harley introduces them, because the whole film is told by Harley as the narrator. Oh, I see. And she'll usually say, you know, 
she's called the Black Canary. Uh, but when it comes to Huntress, there's this wonderful scene. She's constantly uh, trying to refer to herself as Huntress, and everyone keeps calling her the crossbow killer. <laughs> and just before her intro, there's just a montage of victims and other characters all talking about the crossbow killer. The crossbow killer. The crossbow killer. And it just cuts to her. She goes, I'm, and is interrupted with, the crossbow killer. And over the top comes Harley going, she calls herself Huntress. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And of course, uh, yeah, we should probably mention Harley's in it too. Oh, and, and Montoya. And Rene Montoya. Yeah. Rene Montoya, not traditionally a bird of prey, but I'm glad to add her to the list. So happy to see her in this. And oh, oh so good. <laughs> Yep, Rosie Perez in there as Renee Montoya, uh, doing a fantastic job. And Margot Robbie reprising her role as Harley Quinn, you know, the only good thing about Suicide Squad. Uh, whoa, 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 what about... The costume uh, design? The costume design! <laughs> and... Uh, I've, I've, I've got nothing. I, I legitimately have nothing. No, she was yeah. the only good thing about Suicide Squad, and here she's even better. And you know what? I didn't. I, I I'll, I'll say this. I didn't like her in Suicide Squad. I really. Did. I I'll, I'll open this with a kind of like this is my 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 spicy hot take that is news to absolutely nobody in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, I am I am not I am not nor have I ever been a Harley Quinn fan. I've I've got I've, I've got no like problem with the character. I'm not like oh fucking hell I hate this character. It's so so overdone. I was like no, I just it's just she's just never really like appealed to me in any particular way. Um, but my god, I fucking loved this film, and I thought Margot Robbie did a phenomenal job in this. So um, speaking as the podcast resident Harley Quinn fan, yes, because uh, I think again, surprising nobody on this podcast, <laughs> I have always been a fan of Harley Quinn. Uh, I didn't love her performance in Suicide Squad either. Mm. I still describe her as the best thing about that movie, but the best compliment I could pay her is she was doing the absolute best she could <laughs> with what she was given. She cleared the lowest bar. She did. Like, they didn't give her a lot of opportunity to be a character, yes. unfortunately. Uh, but I am independently a huge fan of Harley Quinn and a huge fan of Margot Robbie. Mm. I've seen her in other stuff, and I think she's very... Very talented. I, Tonya so, is fucking outstanding as well. I, Tonya is such a good film. Yeah. I honest, My favourite story about that one, and I may have mentioned it to you before, I can't remember, is Marco Robbie's shock on meeting Tonya Harding, because they introduced them. Yeah. Um, so that she could, you know, learn the mannerisms, as you do when you're doing a biopic. Yeah. And Marco Robbie's thoughts on meeting Tonya Harding were, holy shit, you're real? <laughs> Huh. She has said this in interviews. She didn't realize it was a true story because it was so absurd. Wow. Until she met Tonya Harding and went, it's true? <laughs> You're um, real? <laughs> which is so wow. good. Uh, but yeah, she's fantastic. And the idea that they gave her a little control of the character and a little control of the filmmaking, and she got Kathy Yan in, and I was like, oh, this, this is difference like oh, when the yeah. first trailers hit and they felt really sort of art house independent cinema and not at all warner brothers dc movie i was <laughs> like whatever this is going to end up being i want to see it i don't know if it will be good or a train wreck 
but I'm gonna watch it. It could be both. It could be both. It kind of is both, and yeah. I love it. Because <laughs> this is this is the thing, right? Is when I was looking back, I was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to be, because uh, we're doing, we're, we're we're technically reviewing it, right? So. I've got to come up with some things to balance it all out. I'm like, right, here are things I liked. Here are things I think didn't work so well. And then the things I had listed that I thought didn't work so well, I then looked at in the context of the film and went, oh, fuck, those are actually selling points. This is, what have I done here? <laughs> <laughs> like, in any other film, the points I would have raised would have been the sort of things I would chew a film out for, right? So, like, uh, music. The, the soundtrack for this film is non- fucking stop there is no dead air in this film until the very very end climactic scene when it goes very very quiet uh it is and it's it's not even like it's not music it's songs it's it's lyrics being pumped out of you at max volume non-stop counterpoint every beat of music in this movie is superb oh Absolutely. This is this is like this is how I would have started. Is like this is a criticism. It's just like no, no, no. You're you're, you're taking the approach to this film's with this film's music. How I approach cooking, right? You've just you've filled it full of spice, and now you can't taste anything else. Jesus Christ, let it breathe, <laughs> right? It's, it's it's the Cajun cooking of of movie music, but it so works for this film because you know what? This film should not let you fucking breathe. It, it is, is a feature-length music video. Yeah, absolutely. And the other one is the the um, the, the chopping and changing and, and like not knowing where it needs to start the story. Any other film, that would be a criticism. This one, all right? I I okay, listeners. I don't know how much how how sort of good Simon is at at editing my fucking rambles in this show. <laughs> <laughs> but is this not how I tell a story where you start kind of? a third of the way in and you go, oh shit, I probably need to explain this bit. Let's backtrack a little bit. Start here. Get up to a certain point. Realize you've jumped ahead to the sort of three quarters point. Go, right, I need to go back to the beginning again. Tell it from here. And there we go. Now we've got the full story. And that is the, I, I kind of love that because it yeah. is Harley's story to tell and she's narrating and it's doing the Pulp Fiction thing of jumping around in the timeline. Whereas Pulp Fiction in no way holds your hand and just hits you with it over and over again. Yeah. Harley is... Like you say, telling a story. I love when she literally just stops and goes, wait, no, this bit doesn't make sense. And I say, okay, going back, night before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. Four minutes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's all happening as this weird stream of consciousness from Harley Quinn, who suddenly remembers, wait, no, this bit only makes sense if I'd already told you the other bit about, right, okay, I'm going to just do that quickly and right now we're back where we were so now this bit makes sense right now you get it cool you, okay but, moving what, on but what i love is that you don't know that a scene is taking place after a point that you haven't had the context for until you just it's just a scene opens harley walks into gotham city's police department uh, a gotham city police department branch wearing an outfit specifically the outfit from harley's holiday oh the big hat and the, the yeah. sunglasses oh, of course like, there are so many, like, loving, actual loving references to Harley's history in this movie. Yeah. That it's like, oh, you get it. And that's one of them, is that outfit. I was like, fucking hell, that's animated series pull. <laughs> yes. And and deciding to go to town on the, uh, the police station, firing off a grenade launcher filled with... It's a sandbag gun. 
It's yeah, not well, it's a like, grenade launcher. It's well, a sandbag gun. It's like it's it's yeah, but the sort of the the approach as in like it's a it's a large bore projectile gun firing uh, beanbags, glitter bombs, and paint canister uh, like paint uh, well like smoke grenades. Balls, yeah, and like Jesus. <laughs> It's just like, and then it's just stopping and going. Oh wait, no, I probably need to explain how we got here. Like, yeah, I mean, I I just taken it on faith that this was gonna make sense because it's Harley. <laughs> but yeah, that that whole, I mean, god damn, every action scene, every fight scene. Wow. Yes, and I love that the fight scenes, all good, and they just ramp up. Like everyone gets better. Yeah. Until you get the big showdown in what is essentially the Haha Hacienda. Uh yeah. with roller skates and uh, a big slide and <laughs> weeble wobble clowns and it just gets so good. I just love the 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 shock between um Montoya and Black Canary of when did she manage a costume change? <laughs> Like I just love the, the the set piece thing of it. Like it, it's it's right. We need there's gonna be a fight during this. There's gonna be a fight during this. A fight in a police station evidence lockup. Yep. And during it, Harley dives behind a mountain of seized cocaine packets. A pallet. A pallet, a pallet of seized cocaine. A pallet of cocaine. And my thought was, nah, they they wouldn't. And, and then they did. And, and they then that's how this episode got its name. <laughs> wow. They opened fire on the mound of cocaine. It's just this zoom in on her face as the pupils dilate and just... Ooh. It's the fact that she does the big inhale. There's just this cloud yeah. of white around her and you see her just nostrils flare as she does this big inhale and then just eyes pop open really wide and big old smile. And then suddenly that banjo hits in there. And I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I nearly leapt out of my fucking seat and went, Yes! Someone else remembers Spider-Bait! <laughs> Spider-Bait's cover of Black Penny is one of my favourite fucking tracks of all time. And when that started playing during Harley's coked-up baseball bat fight with a biker gang... <laughs> wow. Right? I was like, this is the best thing ever! It's pure style throughout. Yeah. It's it's so style over substance, but there's also substance. Yes. It's just there's more style. Um, oh, the, the, the fights are... They are so... We look at it, they're kind of like... It has that campy, silly... Sn- sn- camp, uh, campy silliness to it with a lot of the props and weapons and that kind of stuff. And yet is also ridiculously fucking brutal. Well, it's an R rating. Yeah, um, like it's a it's a fifteen over here, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, and I was honestly quite amazed, considering like yeah, again the mountain of cocaine in- inhalation and yep. all, all the blood and violence and shit that goes on. I'm like, I'm honestly quite surprised that was a. Fi- Do you remember when fifteens? What fifteens were like? You know, twenty years ago. I mean, the bit that got me that's really shocking. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie. Mm. Is <laughs> at the end the villain of the piece goes off the side of a pier with a live grenade. Yes. And I know how these films work. He's going to hit the water, and then there's going to be a big splash of water, an implied explosion. Yeah. And then he detonated halfway down. 
And just bits of him, chunks. And just the viscera water. and lumps of bad guy go flying. And I was genuinely Whoa. shocked because yeah. I was like, oh my God, they actually did that. Which is like, I get that. I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of a shame because it means we don't get that black mask again. I know. But at the same time, like, fuck it. These films, the, how DC works now is these kind of one-off, almost world type things. Yep, true. And fine, cool. Tell a self-contained story. Brilliant. If that's going to be how that ends, no, I've got no problems whatsoever. He had a fucking perfect movie. We should probably talk about both Ewan McGregor and Chris Messina because they were good. Oh, God, they were they were good. They were terrible. They were good at being terrible. They were good yep. at being horrible, horrible people. So because, we get Ewan McGregor as oh, Black Mask and Chris Messina as Victor Zaz. Oh, God, Zaz is huh. just... Oh. Like, in, in in one sense, this is the most funny you could ever make Zaz. And on the other hand, this is legitimately perfect uh, visualization of him. He he just is as slimy and creepy and unsettling as you need him to be. And he does... It's like, get you a man that can do both. Because he, <laughs> he is legitimately funny at times. You can, yes. you can absolutely see his mental processes at work anytime he does things. Like, noticing that Black Mask is paying more attention to um, Black Canary when he's, like, showing around his, his apartment and all the, the shrunken heads and stuff. And he's like, oh, shit, this is my meal ticket. I need to draw him back in. Like, oh, the crossbow killer. Uh, that's a thing. And yet is also just... Oh, the way he just doesn't break eye contact with people. Just the, the smile... The absolute joy in everything he does is, oh, it's gross. He's got the sociopath element down. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. An amazing acting job there. Um, and honestly, Ewan McGregor's take on Roman Sionis, not one I ever expected. I And not yeah. one I'll ever forget. It's camp. It's pure. When he is showing her around. Yeah. And he's doing the shrunken heads. And he's like, <laughs> Look at the little thousand ears. years old. And now he's on my wall. Oh, gross. <laughs> and he's like wearing the velvet suits. And it's like, he's, apparently he's, I, I mind queer coding the villain a lot less if all of the heroes are also massively queer coded. Yeah, absolutely. Like his, his interpretation of Black Mask is, it's like, this is what, this is the sort of role, uh, performance you would have gotten out of if they put Black Mask in the Burton Batman films. Yeah. Or it, like a kind of that weird, not quite Adam West era of <laughs> villains, but on a fucking dime, he t he can turn it around and be... Yeah. Oh. Oh and my God. the way God. they introduce that, when he has um, the family of a rival gang leader hanging from their ankles and yeah. he's having Zaz slice their faces off. Oh. And he gets to the daughter and he's uh -oh. like, ah, you know what? I think we can let this one go. You know, this is a, a hell of a message to send, right? <laughs> this always is a hell of a message, yeah. Yep. We, we don't need to kill her as well. And like takes her gag out and she's like babbling. Thank you. Thank you. all, thank you. And she's been crying, obviously, and is in a mess. And then just, exhales a snot bubble and Sonus is like is that a snot bubble? oh gross no slice it off and walks away he's like oh 
he's that kind of black mask. Yeah. And I I, so I remember having this conversation with you where I was like, so so how far removed is he from the Under the Red Hood black mask? Mm. And you know, I remember you saying he's very, very different, like so far, so far the other way. And I'm like, I still see, like, the way they do his rage issues. Oh, the rage is spot on. Oh, Everything my God. else is the other end of the spectrum. It's, and that's it's, the thing, he's both. That's And that's what makes it so terrifying as a villain. Like, he has this absolute campy edge to him, and, and like, but, and the way he, like, throws, like, uh, tantrums at times, where he's like, these are my things! This diamond is my things! That's the thing, he is privilege yeah. in this movie. But huh. the moment it gets turned and it becomes this very, it stops being over the top comic book villain. Ah, I need this diamond and this thing, and like being really angry, and suddenly becomes this really real, scary. I, I'll, I'll call it the fucking is it is it Joe Pesci in Goodfellas? Hmm. Uh, the 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 funny how thing. It's it's the yeah. it's yeah. You, you know that feeling where you, you you've kind of got the 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 itch in the back of your head. And you're having a really bad day, and you hear someone laughing, and you feel very self-conscious because you're like, well, like, of course they're not laughing at you, like, but instantly he's like checking, oh shit, is there something in my hair? Is there something on my face? Literally, the most uncomfortable scene in the movie starts it's... with the line, "Is she laughing at me?" Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I no 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 no, I know where this is. No 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 no. Oh, it and seriously, it's like everything is campy fun, and there's a few serious moments here and there, and then just for. For three minutes in the middle of this film, it is the most skin-crawling, unpleasant, dark moment ever you know, I've ever seen in a comic book film. And yeah, that yeah. scene is is difficult to watch. Yeah. It's horrible and perfect for establishing his character. Yeah, because it's like up until then, he's just been he we can tell, yeah, he's black mask. He's he's a dangerous Gotham villain. He's a gangster. He kills people. We've seen the bit with Zaz where he's like, oh no, no, just cut it off. But even even that is kind of done with a bit of joy of, oh no, gross. I'll just cut it up. Oh I'm I'm sort of this camp villain. Like I can't be dealing with snot bubbles. That's gross. And then it's him just being all serious, no smiles. Oh my God, you don't know where it's going. But you know it's nowhere good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's deeply, deeply unpleasant. Sounds it. So so kudos to to you and McGregor on that. Yeah, he was he was wonderful. And one of my favorite things is Kathy Yan doing interviews talking about the obvious queer coding between mm. Zaz and uh, Sionis. And I mean, they've talked about it as well and said that. It's not a romantic relationship. It's Zaz indulging something because, like you said, meal ticket. Yeah. Um, but Kathy has gone on record repeatedly in saying, that's not in the script. The way they are together, that wasn't from the script and it wasn't from my direction. That yeah. was just something they decided to do uh, and bless them. What it I, worked. Yeah, what I kind of got with from it was that, like, uh, Sionis is, is interested in Zaz. And Zaz is interested in power. Yeah, exactly. And Zaz is like, oh no, I'm absolutely willing to play this to the to the point that I get what I need. Yep. Um, that was the dynamic that between them, the actors decided to go with. Yeah. And oh, it's such an interesting way to do Black Mask. Oh. Hmm. So yeah, great, 
great villains in this. Oh, yeah. And uh, the one character we haven't really covered yet is the one that I find most confusing in that I love the character Uh, as portrayed here, but it's... There's differences between the comic book interpretations and the movie interpretations in all the characters in this yeah. film. El- Elseworlds. They're all Elseworlds. They're all Elseworlds, but none more so than Cassandra <laughs> Cain. Yeah. When when Rowan asked me, like, who's Cassandra Cain then? Who does she, like, grow up to be in, in the comics? And I, when I was like, uh, I thought I knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you're familiar with Cassandra Cain of the comics, the elite ninja version of Batgirl mute um notably uh you probably won't recognize this cassandra kane who is is definitely not the daughter of lady shiva um and david kane uh but instead uh, a small time teenage scam artist and huh. yeah pickpocket and and uh with yes. a mouth on her. Oh my god, As Zoe yes. adds from, from off mic. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a definite mouth on her, yes. Definitely not a mute. <laughs> she is fucking incredible. Uh, but she is absolutely the linchpin of the plot. Yeah. Uh, she is a star-turn fucking performance. Now, everyone likes to compare Harley Quinn and Deadpool. I I can sort of yeah in in terms of these were clearly made by by people that really really desperately wanted this film to be made. Well, I wasn't even and, talking about the movies. I was oh, talking about the characters. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, the fourth wall breaking, the jokes, all of that. Yeah. Um, uh, so everyone tends to link them. So obviously the movies are going to get compared, especially when they are both R rating. Mm. And you're right because. They both, the the lead talent took creative control of a movie about their character that they loved because they had to see it done right and did a lower budget, um, high concept version of their character that turned out really, really well. So it's a comparison you definitely can draw. Uh, But I think if I'm looking at this, which is the second Margot Robbie Harley Quinn movie and Deadpool 2, for me, the comparison that comes out of it is, oh my God, I want to see Ella J. Basco's Cassandra Kane and Julian Dennison's Fire Fist in a team-up. Oh my God! Because they're both such similar archetypes in their way. These just disgruntled, chubby Asian teenage assholes. Well, yeah. Um, okay, non-white. Um yeah, Polynesian, but I, I I want to see them team up. I really do, and I want to see Harley and Deadpool chase them around, trying to get them to calm the fuck down. Because <laughs> it would be knife? an amazing film. <laughs> Why are you running? Oh my god! It's like that that kid from that from that vine. What have you got? A knife! Oh my god! No! no! Knife. <laughs> so yeah, the movie starts with Harley desperately wanting an egg sandwich. Okay. A, oh my god, that sandwich. Oh. The, the journey of that sandwich. I, I, I reblogged a thing today that was literally, it was a gift set of uh, the sandwich being made and Harley's reactions to it. 
and with the comment, there's been a lot of excellent discourse about how this movie was shot in a way less objectifying way than Suicide Squad was. That said, this was the most unabashedly sexual shot in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's such a good sandwich. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna post this into the into the chat thingy here for you. Sure. I mean, technically, it doesn't really start there. I just like to bring up the sandwich because <laughs> yes. that sandwich. Oh, oh that fucking God. sandwich. Okay. It actually starts with a little animated summary of Harley's life till this date. <laughs> this is how I got a spanking fetish. Wait, what? <laughs> Which is it's worth noting for a couple of reasons. One, it features the classic animated series costume. Yes. Which is nice to see that on the screen in a, a major motion picture. Yep. And secondly, it also features her bisexuality, and it's really nice to see that on yeah, the screen in a just, major motion picture. Just straight away, right there, like, boom, go. There we go. Yep, talking about having broken hearts at university and there's two guys and a girl in the lineup. And it's like, cool. I'm glad that's now established, canonized, and we can move on. Yep. That um, looks like a good sandwich. It's a damn good sandwich. <laughs> it's just the, it's the, the cuts to Harley has been made. <laughs> my my favourite <laughs> bit of trivia about that sandwich is it's not made with hen eggs because Margot Robbie is allergic to hen eggs. Oh, uh, oh. It's made with duck eggs. And I'm like, okay... She never gets to eat it. That's the point. <laughs> oh no, I bet. Like, no, no, Harley didn't get to eat it. Margaret Margaret Robbie Robbie absolutely ate it, yes. <laughs> it's just a look That's on her face. Fair. Yeah, just a dash of hot sauce. Not too much sell. I want to taste the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I also love that it establishes that Harley has been broken up with the Joker for a while and just hasn't told anyone because of the perks of being Joker's girlfriend. She's the, she, Yeah, she's crazy. She's not stupid. Yeah, she's very smart. She's got a yeah. PhD. I, uh, I, I gotta admit, like, uh, so this is the thing, I've also, oh, you're, you're a Harley fan, I need to ask this one. So, Harley's um, psychology degree and whatnot, because I can, I can never remember, how, I remember hearing people talk about this, but never actually hearing which side was the correct part of the discussion. She got into, into uh, medicine, uh, her medicine, uh, psych yeah, psychiatry degree and stuff, but through smarts, or was it a gymnastics, like, scholarship type thing? I've right. heard both so, things. Well, this is the thing. It's comic books. So both are true. Right, okay. There have been storylines that run it both ways. Uh, there, There is a series of books that will tell you that she got in largely on the gymnastics scholarship and more or less slept her way to success. Right. And then there is also the take that she is just that damn smart. Cool. Um, but too smart for her own good because when she went to Arkham, she was there with the agenda to deliberately exploit the high-profile inmates this in a terrible This is how I get my book. name out there. Yep, and that's how she met the Joker and it all went wrong. So depending on which books you read, both origin stories are true. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yep, yep, as Zoe says, uh, they can both be true simultaneously as well. <laughs> um, yeah, i, I got to say, with the breakup... This is, oh, so the flashback to her getting kicked out, and you know, I think I took it really well, but Mr. Yes. J was really broken. The, the, the stand-in, the actor that they got to play the Joker, 
They really wanted you to know that they didn't ask Jack 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 Jack. Jack. I'm like, who's that? Who's that 300 pound hulking monster? <laughs> I, the, my disappointment here is that they did cut the scene from Suicide Squad that was the one good scene for Harley Quinn's character, which is literally her pursuing Joker and not letting him run away from her. <laughs> uh, because that's Harley. She is... Yeah, she scares Joker away and chases him. Yeah. That is who Harley Quinn is. And to be honest, that would have made this scene even better <laughs> if we'd had that context, but you'll you'll just have to watch the deleted scene and get that uh get that context for yourself. Yeah. Um so yeah, she's been broken up a while and gets very drunk. Very drunk. Very drunk and, and we've, decides... We, we've all been there, in a bar, drinking away, designing our new business cards. <laughs> Those business cards are so good. <laughs> how, how, did you how did you spell mercenary? <laughs> Finder of lost things. I, I love that the final, final one has like the line of glitter along the top of it and oh yeah. my god, it's phenomenal. She gets very drunk and decides the best thing to do would be to blow up the Ace Chemicals plant. Oh dear. As a big middle finger to the Joker. Which is a wonderful moment of cathartic closure for Harley. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's also very publicly saying she's not with him anymore. So if you were to fuck her up because of any number of grievances you've got against Harley Quinn that you've built up over the years... No one's going to stop you. No. So it's a bad day for Harley Quinn, who all she wants is her hangover egg sandwich. Mm. And the police and various thugs and people she upset at the club, none of them want her to have this sandwich. And it, it, it's cruel. <laughs> that opening scene really establishes your sympathy for the character of Harley Quinn because you want her to have that sandwich. Oh god, yes. I also love it sets up the the the, the, the trope that well, not the trope but the little thing throughout the film that anytime a new character is is introduced, it's freeze frame name grievance. What yes. did Harley do to deserve this? <laughs> and like, oh, what was it like uh, name, happy, grievance, uh, DIY tattooing or whatever it was called. Yeah, and she's like, what did I ever do to you? And he's there with this huge Joker smile, clown face, tattooed on his face. Oh my he's god. Like, what did you do to me? Look at me! And you get this flashback of Joker tattooing his face. And it cuts back and she goes, I technically didn't do that to you. So, no, but you dared him to do it. There are a lot of people to do a lot of things. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this is the Harley Quinn we're dealing with in this movie. <laughs> nice. It's going to be really hard to recap because do I tell it in the order she told it? Or the uh, other things actually happen and matter? <laughs> just, 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 the broad, just the broad strokes. I mean, I can't even remember the order of things, because there is the order things actually happen in the order she reveals them in, but yeah. essentially... She she gets picked up by uh, Sionis' people. Yep. Uh, because, well, he owns Ace Chemicals, doesn't he? In this particular universe. 
I swear I saw the word Sionis Industries on one of the, the, the gates. You might have done. Yeah. You might have done. Uh, if so, I missed that. Ah, I, I, I again, could have just been seeing things. I could have just, but I swear I, I saw I think the word she got picked it. up by Sionis' people just because... <laughs> Black Mask fucking hates Harvey. Oh, yeah. And he, that's entirely fair. When it's, when it's, yeah, name Roman Sionis, grievance, and it just spins and spins and spins and spins because there's hundreds of them. <laughs> right? Just starting with, I call him Romy. Yep. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> it's on the list. Uh, oh, man, I want to find a list of all of his grievances against I, her, because the, the, they are think, so good. I think the first two are just, I call him Romy, and I have a vagina. That's like this first, the first two on there. Every grievance Roman Sionis has with Harley Quinn. Broke his driver's legs. Called him Romy. Called him Queef Richards. <laughs> Voted for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> has a vagina. Says espresso rather than espresso. Yes! <laughs> Peed in his Britta. <laughs> Stuck gum under his chair. Stole the remote. Sold a family heirloom. Spoiled lots of movies. <laughs> Stole his limelight. Left oh. a floater. Interrupted <laughs> him once. Didn't laugh at his joke. Oh. Forgot to use a coaster. Burped the alphabet. <laughs> Trashed his bedroom. Left the toilet seat down. Changed the channel. Broke a window. Ate his lunch, crashed his Rolls Royce, ripped a loud one, <laughs> caused a ruckus, graffitied his car, touched his paintings. There you go. That is the complete <laughs> list of grievances wow, wow. Roman Sionis has against Harley Quinn. And they flash past incredibly quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, she, she realizes that she's already heard the rumor about this missing diamond. And she now has a business card that says finder of lost things on it, amongst many other things. <laughs> she was, she's so good at finding things. She was, Mr. J once wanted this lost photo, a nude photo of Eleanor Roosevelt. And I found it up a tree in Robinson Park. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she basically does the classic deal of, you need this thing back. You also want me dead. Send me. Like, if I die, find it, trying to find it. What what bother is that to you? And if I find it, maybe you can kill me later anyway, or maybe you let me off. And uh, oh yeah, and yes, this does in fact include the most incredible interpretation of Marilyn Monroe's "Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend" with Harley in Marilyn's role, Sionis floating around in the background, and a whole amount of uh, dissociative head injury going on for Harley. Oh yeah, it's so good, <laughs> but so weird and like. Oh, this is uncomfortable. But perfect, because oh, what I yeah. didn't want them to do was take it in the direction of Deadpool and just go for straight up fourth wall breaking. Um, and, you know, the same meta humor. Yeah. Whereas filming her dissociative episodes and having the whole film relayed by her and having the caption cards come up is... It's that same meta humor feel without trying to ape the style of um, the Deadpool movies, and yeah. I think they struck that balance perfectly. Hmm. So I was really pleased with that. That that whole diamond sequence, I was just sat there just giggling because I'm, I'm a Marilyn Monroe fan as well, and I was like, this is wonderful. <laughs> this is fucking wonderful. Um, and hilariously, Ewan McGregor's been through that before because, of course, Moulin Rouge. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, it's not his first time. What a weird... weird acting's a weird job, right? Isn't it? <laughs> 
And so, yeah, she has to go off and find this diamond, which Cassandra Kane pickpockets, and that's how they end up on the run together. Right. Because Cassandra Kane put it somewhere safe. She swallowed it. (laughs) Right. So Harley has to babysit this smart-ass kid until she shits out the diamond. Well, she says, we've got two ways to get this diamond out. Option A, and she picks up some laxatives. And then he goes, option B, picks up a butcher's knife. <laughs> a, 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 a. Honestly, that's the core conceit of the movie. Yep. Is, is Harley has to look after this smart-ass kid until she shits out a diamond. That is the whole film. <laughs> Bring the colander. It's just, yep. <laughs> it just happens that... At the same time, every thug in Gotham wants to kill Harley. Of course. Renee Montoya really wants to arrest Harley. And Huntress really wants to kill Sionis and anyone who works for Sionis. Uh, <laughs> and get her diamond. And get her diamond back, because it's, it's the her Bertinelli. Fa- it's the Bertinelli diamond. Uh. Um, and Black Canary is roped into being Black Mask's henchman. So that's where all the characters sort of come into it. And it is literally just the comedy of errors of everyone trying to catch Harley, Harley trying to run and hide from them, um, building up to the scene where they all come together as the birds of prey, which is like, there's so much that goes on, but it is, that is the plot. That is all of the plot. There are, there are scenes in there and great moments, but storyline-wise, we're done. <laughs> And it comes to the scene at the end where um, they work out that Huntress isn't working for Black Mask. (laughs) Very much the opposite. Black Mask is outside with an army of goons. Oh, we are so fucked. He's got an army. Uh, Montoya isn't thrilled about the idea of this army of goons killing a child. Uh, (laughs) And Harley is the one who points out, well, we have to work together. Yep. It'll be like a sleepover. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the the climax of the movie, is the birds of prey get together. And it's just such a wonderful moment when they're like, he's got an army, what do we have? And Harley just walks over to this cabinet. Will this help? And it's shot from behind Harley as she throws open these doors, looking at their reaction, which is deadpan. And then Huntress is like, no, it won't help at all. And it just camera reverses angle into an empty cupboard with the like faint dust outlines of where all the guns were. And she turns around and goes, Motherfucker took them! (laughs) (laughs) But in the breakup, he should have half the guns. (laughs) Though she does have a grenade in her little box of treasures. Yes. And which contains that, the Suicide Squad outfit. Which she does, um, which nobody gets to wear, which is for the best. Yeah, she does say it has sentimental value, but yep. no. <laughs> um, it also contains a corset, which is a reference to the new 52 outfit. A bulletproof um, corset. Yes. It contains a katana, a reference to katana being in Suicide Squad, I expect. <laughs> she won't miss this. Yep, and various other bits and pieces. And of course, a uh, very, very, very tall hammer. And a very, very tall hammer, Yes. Um, and yeah, like I said, that's just some of the references in here. Um, uh, there's also the beaver makes an appearance. Oh, yes. <gasps> and Bruce. And Bruce. It's not Bud or Lou, but she does have a hyena. Huh. 
I Who she names Bruce. Bruce after that cute Wayne fella. That, that hunky Wayne guy. That hunky Wayne guy, <laughs> that's it. I, I love the Tumblr post I saw that was basically like, what do you think Batman's doing during all of this going on? And it's just a weird, I think he's keeping an eye on things, but he's like, ah, she's okay, she's got a handle on this. And just Alfred like, sir, it appears that she bought a hyena. Oh, that's, that's worrying. She named it after you. Aww. She also fed the guy she bought it from to the hyena. Yes, one guy's creepers fed his brother to a hyena. Yup. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. The the roller derby also makes an appearance. Oh yes, broke her nose. Yep. Uh, in another reference to the comics. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah, but that that final fight scene like throughout a fun house. Which oh my god, going down the slide and Huntress like grabbing like bracing herself into the sides of the slide in order to ride someone down while stabbing him repeatedly in the chest. Yes, and that does... shot specifically <laughs> cuts to black very suddenly yeah. because um, genuinely Mary Elizabeth Winstead and the stunt guy uh, crashed into the cameraman. Holy shit! <laughs> Whoops. I just love that they, they come out of the slide at the end of it and she's still just stabbing him going, ah, ah, duh, duh, duh. like Harley just looking at her, you are so fucking cool. <laughs> and that's the fight scene where um, I, I love that Black Canary gets thrown a um, hair tie to tie yes! her hair back. Oh it's my god, such yes! such a great moment. Oh, everything is just... Oh, it's so good! It's got those weird things where it's like, this is a comic book film, right? And there's all this, like, the, the, the wackiness going on about it. But then you've got moments like, yeah, she's like, quick, throw me a hair tie, like, does that. Like, she has to tie her hair back in the middle of this really chaotic fight. And uh, Montoya gets, you know, not a spoiler, but Montoya gets shot and has that bulletproof, like, the bulletproof corset thing on. And is just out for the count. That's it then for the for her for the rest of the film. Huh. Because, yeah, yeah, you're shot, you're wearing a bulletproof, you know, you're wearing essentially a bulletproof vest, but you were still shot. Yeah, the impact's still there. That's gonna fuck you up, even though you're a cop and even though you were wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah, you're out for the count now. Until you can make a recovery. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a very realistic look for a comic book film. Mm. And then you get a motorcycle roller skate chase. Because, yeah, the funhouse fight is where Harley manages a sudden costume change and comes out with roller skates on, much to everyone's confusion, <laughs> and does that whole fight on roller skates, which is amazing, by the way. <laughs> It's oh, it's a thing. Every fight scene is in this film is just a thing of beauty. Well, also you skipped a very important moment between Ooh. the funhouse fight and the roller skate car chase, uh, which is throughout the film. Renee has been trying to redeem Black Canary. Oh, um, because yeah. it is established this is Dinah Lance, the second Black Canary, and Renee knew her mother, and keeps talking about you know your mother helped the police. She was a good guy, and and Black Canary is basically you don't know my life. Fuck off. Which is fair, given the situation Black Canary has ended up in. Yeah. Um, and it gets down to, at the end of the Funhouse fight, it's like, yay, we won, woo! And they're all just walking out, very happy, lots of high-five celebrations, and they're like, oh, there's still an army. <laughs> oh dear, they have guns. Um, and they're hiding, and Huntress quickly runs out of bolts in her crossbow. Um, with this, uh, oh, what is it not? And she gets very angry when they're like, um, 
is it just bow? And she says, it's not a bow, it's a fucking crossbow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a bow and arrow. I'm not a fucking, t- I'm not a fucking 10-year-old. Yeah, it's a crossbow. <laughs> Man, you uh, got rage issues. I do not have rage issues! <laughs> wow. And just Harley leaning in behind her and going, you know, psychologically speaking, vengeance rarely brings us the closure we seek. <laughs> oh. So she runs out of bolts. Renee runs out of bullets. Because, again, weirdly realistic in its way. Um, and all eyes are on Black Canary. And it's like, you got to do the thing. You, you just got to do the thing. And we get to see a full-on Canary cry. Like, it's the only one in the movie. And it's so good. Oh, yeah. And my favorite thing about it is it's done full-on dramatic Canary cry. This is the the one superpower in this movie and it just blows this whole army back hugely dramatic set piece shot and then out comes harley on her roller skates to get a boost off of the shock wave because <laughs> <laughs> uh, black mask is getting away in his car so she's like chasing him on roller skates propelled by a canary cry sure and then sketching on huntress's motorbike as they chase him down yeah in what is a very dramatic scene. It's so well done. <laughs> where um, she gets whipped in the roller derby sense, you know, where you kill your momentum to propel someone else forward mm. by a motorbike <laughs> into the back of Sionis's, um Rolls Royce. Cue that classic clinging to the outside of the car while the people inside you try and shoot you, all of that stuff. That ends with her, like, crouching down in front of the car uh, in front of the radiator where they can't see her as it's barreling along at however quick uh, before she, you know, flies in, skates first, kicking dudes in the head, trying to rescue uh, Cassandra Kane. Uh, and then realizing that this car is about to crash and going, ah, shit, see ya. I, the, so yeah, the, the goon car that she attacks first. I love that every time she smashes the driver's head into the steering wheel, it's just that meep sound. <laughs> and well, it's, of course. It's, and it's done in such a perfect routine because she's she's only smacking his head down once and then she turns in, punches the next guy, kicks another guy, and then straight back to him, meep. <laughs> then turns around, like, elbows one guy, like, uppercuts another, meep. <laughs> just every time she does it. And then finally, when the other two are taken out, it's just meep, 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 until he passes out. It, I love that it is such a shitty car horn as well. Yes, <laughs> it, it would be so much less funny if it was a good car horn, but luckily it's not. It's it's Gotham. It's got to have that nineteen thirties chic. But yeah, she absolutely bails on Cass when she realizes, yeah, this car's going to crash. Yeah, um, hmm. <laughs> which is properly Harley. And then there's the showdown on the pier that I was talking about earlier. The it and it's honestly this film like makes Gotham look like Gotham in a way Batman movies managed to fuck up more often it, than not. Is, is, is this, this is a thought I was having. Is this the first Batman movie to A, look like the animated series in in, in certain ways? Like the, the pier and the clubs and all that kind of stuff. Well, it was the pier with the, um, with the funfair in the background. Yes, and the statues along it and everything. And yeah, that yeah. was so animated series Gotham. But at the same time, like the... So you've got those set pieces looking really like the animated series. But the the streets, the 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 back alleys, the all of that stuff. Is this the first fucking Batman film in however long Batman's been around? Is this the first live action Batman film to actually make Batman uh, to make Gotham look like New York fucking city, <laughs> and not yeah, pretty much, and not 
pissing Chicago. Yeah, kind of. Oh, it was so nice. I was sat there throughout going, this this is the most Gotham Gotham I've seen in a movie, and it's not even a Batman film. He's not even in it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. But at the end of the film, we do learn a very important thing about Batman. Um, oh, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> the, st- the stinger. There is a post-credits thing. Okay. It's, it's basically just, we waited right to the end of it, and then just, just you know, nothing happens, and then it's just uh, Harley's voice saying, well, I guess you deserve something for, for waiting until the end, so you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to level with you. I'm going to tell you a secret. Did you know that Batman is at... <laughs> And that's it. And then it just cuts. That's yeah. it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah, so they have the showdown on the pier in the mist. And it's this spooky tense scene of Harley looking at these statues in the mist and trying to work out which one of these is actually Black Mask. Yeah. And he's taunting her because his voice is echoing all around and not giving away his location. And she gives her dramatic speech about how she's not going to be pushed around any longer and all of that. And then just takes her one shot. And caps a statue. <laughs> and then you just hear Black Mask's voice going, nah, that was just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And Holly's like, yeah, kind of was. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> At which point Cassandra is being held round the neck by him is like, Holly, I have to apologize. I stole something. What? I stole your ring and throes the pull ring from a grenade. <gasps> oh my At God. Harley, and Holly's like, oh shit. <laughs> Black Mask's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a whale. It's a woo. Yep, because well, yeah, he's literally about to explode, <laughs> and he does, as mentioned earlier. He gets gibbed. It's so grotesque. <laughs> wow. Also, it's really well done. Also, costume wise for Black Mask, this is it's something I don't. It, it's it's a really interesting approach in the like. The 80s and 90s, when we were first doing superhero films properly, there was this approach that we have to make the costumes and the villains look like how they do in the comics, regardless of how feasible and sensible and not yeah. stupid that is. Like, uh, my, the classic one is the, is the uh, 90... I forget where it is, like 1980 or 1990 uh, Captain America film. Uh, the one where Red Skull's Italian for some reason. <laughs> Yeah. And literally, it's Captain America gets the super serum, the super serum. Captain America goes to World War II. Next scene, he's wearing the outfit with the little wings on the side of his ha- uh, helmet and everything. And it's like, no, no, no. Explain why he's wearing that. <laughs> because that is fucking stupid otherwise. And I feel like this, this film is like, and then we went during like the, the late 90s, early 2000s. We were like, okay, no, no, no. Reimagine the costume so that it looks like a kind of a movie villain costume. So like Bane in in uh, Dark Knight Rises, like it's not the the luchador mask. It's this kind of weird uh, mechanical thing holding his face together. We, we kind of had that for a while. Was the was the thing? Uh, Scarecrow didn't wear an actual scarecrow outfit. He just had this kind of weird burlap sack mask thing with the with the uh, rebreather on it. And I really like the black mask. Yeah, he just wears a black skull helmet. It's not redone to look extra, like, streamlined and more um, visually appealing. It is just a a full-on 
black skull mask. But it's, I love that it's the only time he's called Black Mask. Is when he wears it. It's, it's Roman Throughout or Sionis. Throughout the film, he's Roman, Romy, or Sionis. Yeah. And then he's Black Mask, just for a little bit. And it's, it gives you that weight of what it means that Black Mask has arrived. And yeah. you're like, oh, I get it now. And yeah, his, his whole pitch to basically be the, uh, the organized crime in Gotham. Yeah, uh, he's taken over. Based based on this, I'm really glad when you ran your uh, your Batman RPG, Simon, that I didn't take uh, Black Mask as my my criminal contact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really kind of glad I went with Penguin in the end. Penguin's fun. Yeah, he's he's much less psychotic than Black Mask. He's he's got rules. He's got decorum. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, that's kind of it. Like, there's so many good bits in this film. Um, Harley taking Cassandra on a supermarket raid <laughs> is just a beautiful scene in and of itself. Oh my god! It's a, how do I get to be like you? You know, like you get to shop at fancy stores, and like in a fucking Costco or whatever it is. Like they're in a they're just in some kind of supermarket, just a regular supermarket. It's and like then, uh, Sainsbury's if, yeah. if you want a British reference. It's. <laughs> And it's just yeah, and like besides, we're not, we're not yeah, her hero worship when Harley takes her to a shitty apartment above a Chinese restaurant, and Cassandra's like, "This is amazing!" Oh, Doc, Doc, you're the owner oh. of the Chinese restaurant. Harley's only friend <laughs> oh. until he betrays her. Oh. It's, it's just it's business. just business. Oh, Doc, it's like, well, what about the restaurant? Now I can afford to open a new restaurant in a nice <laughs> part of town. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Doc's great. Um, her apartment is amazing yep. in and of itself. All the scenes in that apartment are so good. Um, the club scenes are great. Oh, so, yeah, this is another conversation that Rowan and I had on the way out of the film. It's literally just, she was like, at first I was like, why would anyone, knowing what Sionis is like, why would <laughs> anyone hang out at the Black Mask Club? And then and she's like, and then I remembered the aesthetics of the Black Mask Club. Oh mm -hmm. my god, I would be there every fucking weekend if I could. There's also genuinely the element, like, if you live in Gotham, yeah. and you're a fan of nightlife, and you know that Black Mask has a club, yeah. then you also, by association, know any other club is Black Mask's competition. Uh, that is a very, Why very Why would you point. go anywhere else? <laughs> yeah, fair point. Fair fucking point. It's that old thing, it's the Yakuza thing. Of, mm. If you're not actually against them, if you go into a Yakuza establishment, you'll be treated very well. Yeah. Usually. Um, it's probably the same kind of thing in Gotham. Like, I wouldn't want to go somewhere that Roman Sionis doesn't like. Yeah. But if I go to his club, I'll probably be fine. Because <laughs> one... No one's going to fuck with it. It's Roman Sionis' club. <laughs> uh, and two, he's more likely to shit on someone else's doorstep than his own. It's not a 100% guarantee. As this movie shows. As this movie shows. But you're probably marginally safer in the Black Mask Club than in one of its competitors. Mm. Unless it was, say, um, is it the Diamond Lounge's Penguins? Oh, uh, the Iceberg Lounge. The Iceberg Lounge. That's yeah. it. You, you might be okay there. 
that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if those are your choices, I probably would pick the Iceberg Lounge. I mean, yeah, so would I. But my, but my God, how fucking classy did the black man with the the big statue hands with the eyes and everything? Like, oh, it's so fucking cool looking. Also, the Iceberg Lounge doesn't have Jenny Smollett Bell singing on stage. You've, whereas you've got me there. Black Mask Club does. You've got me there. Yeah. And her her rendition of Man's World is just so good. Oh, it's it's breathtaking. She's got a voice on her. Oh god, yeah, and you, and it's not. And I've literally just realised now, like, oh yeah, shit, that is exactly the fucking song that Black Mask could be asking her to sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's a it's one of those perfect sort of um, grim irony songs for her to be singing in her position. Mm. Yep. Because, yeah, she's the the songbird in the cage kind of thing. Yep, she is his little canary, his little songbird. And that's the thing, it's just like, he has this absolute, he absolutely just sees her as a resource, as a, she is one of his things, basically. Yep, she is just his pretty songbird. Until he looks out of the window and watches her beat the shit out of a dude. (laughs) And then his reaction is, oh, maybe you can do two things for me. Maybe you're I, useful in two ways. And her kicks, as as I, okay. So real, real thought. The ending scene with them all in the diner having the conversation, and it's just them complimenting one another. Yes. <laughs> and, oh, I felt that. That was so good. <laughs> and and Huntress is like, and I I really like the way you you do those those high kicks in like um those tight pants. I'm really impressed. Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. It is genuinely just, yeah, after the, the fight and they win, they are just all sitting in a diner having a love fest and bonding, and it is a great scene. Uh, and Until, of course, Harley and Cass reveal that they were planning to burn them all along and yeah. just run away. <laughs> With the diamond. <laughs> With the diamond. Huh. So you're left with the birds of prey all finally together and bonding in a diner, yeah. whilst Harley and Cass make their getaway. It's it's such a beautiful ending to the film. Nice. And if that is all we get, I'm happy. But there there is talk. <gasps> Margot Robbie wants to do three films. Ooh. Yeah, this is the first one. Um, she wants to do women's ensemble pieces. Good. And why not? Because yes. that is something that the comic book movies sorely lack. And oh my god, her... oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, please tell me we got some Ivy coming. <laughs> well, the next film she wants to do is Gotham City Sirens. <laughs> which, if you're not aware, is um, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, and Catwoman teaming up in a sort of anti-hero villain trio. Uh, which, yes please. Oh, yes. And, and Zoe and I were talking about fan casting for Poison Ivy the other day. Hmm. And and many names came up. Um, who was it you wanted, Zoe? Oh, Christina uh, Hendricks was it? Yeah, that's legitimately the first name that came to my mind as well. Weirdly, <laughs> my first was like Rihanna. Oh, I feel oh, like that would be a fuck. really interesting take. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, we could have a different Catwoman. Like we, we've uh, had, we've had one Catwoman. Yes. What but, about I second mean, Catwoman? If we happen to get Zoe Kravitz in, that would be fine. 
if they want to maintain, you know, the DCEU and have Zoe Kravitz be Catwoman across both yeah. projects, I'm fine with that. Uh, but yeah, she wants to do Gotham City Sirens. And then for the third film, inevitably, it would be Birds of Prey versus Gotham City Sirens. <laughs> which Amazing. would be such a good film. Now, this is all good. This is all good. This is grand. This is fantastic. However, where is Hawk Girl in all of this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, shouldn't she be in Justice League? Yes, she should be in Justice League, Simon. She should be in Justice League, <laughs> I agree. But if she isn't in Justice League, well, where is she? By the last film, you could bring in any of the other members of the Birds of Prey who have been in it over the years. We could yep. see Big Bada, because they've already done Apocalypse as a thing. Ooh. So I'd be okay with that. Yes. They, Hawk Girl is on the list. They could bring her in. Good. Um, Misfit could be in there, and I would fucking love if we got <laughs> Misfit on screen. I would be so happy. <laughs> Are you familiar with Misfit? I'm, I'm not. No. Oh, she's uh, she's just fucking adorable. So Misfit is another Gail Simone creation. Uh, I, I, so many of my favorites are Gail Simone creations. Cows are for years. Yep. And Misfit is basically a Batgirl fangirl. Right. Um, she Her costume is like a t-shirt that she has stenciled the Batgirl logo on. Um, a jeans skirt. Yeah, it's, I'm not sure if it's skirt or shorts. Um, black capri leggings and converse um, and she has like her homemade batarangs and she really comes across as just a tiny teenage fangirl of batgirl but she does also have superpowers okay what uh, are she she teleports mm. oh. um, Barbara Gordon refers to her as the most powerful teleporter ever because she can teleport to anywhere, whether she's seen it or not. She doesn't need to know the layout of a place. She doesn't need to know where it is exactly. She just wants to be there, and she's there. Wow. Um, yeah, so she was able to get into Barbara Gordon's home without setting off any of the alarms, and this is when she was Oracle. Uh, and Barbara pointed out, not even Batman has managed that. Not even Martian Manhunter has managed that. <laughs> uh, so... Misfit is, like, shockingly powerful <laughs> in her own subtle little way. And also um, accelerated healing and all of that kind of stuff. You know, the normal stuff. The standards, yeah. The, the standard hero metahuman set. Yeah. Um, so she could come into it. She's great fun. One of my favorite things about Misfit is there is an official cosplayer uh, who was just a girl of the right age who happened to look exactly like the comic book art anyway who fell in love with the character and Gail Simone saw her and went, oh shit, I gave her teleportation so powerful she teleported into the real world. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's brilliant. Uh, weirdly, other members of the Birds of Prey as sort of allies of convenience have included Catwoman and Poison Ivy, so... Wait a minute. <laughs> also, Black Alice has been a member. Oh, okay. 
So there's a lot of options for who we could see in future Birds of Prey movies if it yeah. gets established. Although they did have to rename this film because Birds of Prey is not a name that carries any booking power at all. Or, uh, sorry, or at least didn't. Hopefully it will now. I mean, hopefully. I don't know how well it's done. I, 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 I'm worried to check the figures. I'm assuming not well, because why would anything well, good do well? Okay, here's the thing about how it did at the box office. So its opening um, was... It opened having taken about as much as its budget in the opening weekend. Yeah. Which, considering you have to account for all the distribution costs in between, that means it didn't make its budget back on opening weekend. Right. So everyone called it a huge failure. Right. However, um, you look at any movie of about the same budget that did about the same by a male director, Mm -hmm. and those criticisms don't get leveled at it. Uh, you look at a film like Harrison Ford's recent dog adventure. Oh, yeah. I can't oh, even yeah. remember the name of it. The one with the which, CGI dog. The one with the CGI dog flopped way harder, and no one gave it shit in the press. So there were a lot of negative stories going around about uh, Birds of Prey. But the truth is, it's just quite happily and comfortably made its money back. Yeah. And then some. It's a profitable movie. It's just no one wants to write stories about that. They just wanted to write trashing stories about how badly it had done. Ah. Even though it had done perfectly fine for a movie of its budget. <laughs> so um, it did fine. It did. It's made its money back and then some, you know, uh, in terms of an investment risk for the studio. It's all good. Uh, so its cumulative world, worldwide gross is currently estimated to be about $198 million. That's better than a um, kick in the face. It is. Mm. And they say you've got to make about double your budget back to turn a profit. Its budget was 85 so it would have to make 170 odd So it's, it's cleared that by, you know, about 30 mil. Yeah. Cool. You know, it's it's a nice chunk of profit. Ooh. Whether we'll see another one, whether Margot Robbie has the power to make this happen, to will this into existence, we'll see. I certainly hope so. Oh, absolutely. Although we'll have to wait because she's a little busy playing Barbie. What? So on yeah, she's she's playing Barbie in the Barbie movie. What? There's a Barbie movie? There is. Is it? But what? There, there is a film called Barbie, right? That is being made, and it stars Margot Robbie as Barbie. As Barbie. Okay, yeah, that's... and it's a live-action Barbie movie. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> uh... Yeah, that is what I said. <laughs> you sure? Because I know you've just said it again. <laughs> <laughs> Storyline, a doll living in Barbie land is expelled for not being perfect enough and sets off on an adventure in the real world. A live action film based on the popular line of toys. Hmm. So we'll have to wait to see if there's going to be more Harley Quinn in the DC universe. I'll be honest, I expect there will be. It's Harley Quinn. Yeah. She is a mainstay character of DC and Margot Robbie 
is increasingly a big name draw. And I think if they establish their new Catwoman in The Batman, mm. then you've got their established Harley and their established Catwoman together in Gotham City Sirens with introducing someone to play Ivy. That just, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing dollar signs, I'm getting that thing where <laughs> you just hear the cash registers go. Like, to me, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Anything else about Birds of Prey? It's really good. It is really good. Go on, watch it. Watch it. And yeah, get get the soundtrack. Oh, oh my god. How fucking long is the soundtrack? Oh, it's not every song that features. Good, there's like 90 of the fuckers. (laughs) But it's so good. Wait, does it have spider bait on there? Uh, No, it doesn't. Oh, god damn it. That's one of the ones that's just sort of incidental. um, Incidental? Action set piece rather mean, than on the soundtrack. You mean cocaine-cidental is what you mean. <laughs> it is that. It is certainly that. No, it's it's a very good soundtrack. So, yeah, it's got uh, Doja Cat on it. It's got whipped cream on it. It's got the Diamonds take oh, on it. yeah. It's got Jokes on You, obviously, would have to be in there. Um, Halsey's experiment on me from the police station fight, which I am a... It, it, I loved Halsey's Badlands, mm. and stuff she's done since hasn't grabbed me as much. Um, and then this track, because I've been listening to the Birds of Prey soundtrack fairly frequently, uh, has grown on me in a big bad way, and it's fucking awesome. It has uh, Journey Smollett-Bell's version of Man's World on there. And it also has the most sinister version of Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Oh my god, right, normally I fucking hate it when a film does a slowed down, sad mm-hmm. sounding cover of a, of a, of a pre-existing song. Because mm-hmm. it is such a trope. Usually for the trailer, right? Yeah. Um, but my god, I was like, I was hearing it, I was like, I know this song. Oh fuck, I know this. I had exactly that reaction, it's like, what is this? I, I know, know it. I know this song. I know it well. And then it was just the, hit me with your what the fuck guys what the fuck there was there was one like because i wasn't even listening to the song so i was like okay this is one i don't know i don't know this tune therefore i'm just gonna enjoy the film not gonna like just enjoy the song uh not not like disenjoy the song but anyway uh and then it was just like this then one line i can't for the fucking life remember what it was a line that wasn't part of the chorus i just caught the last couple of words i was like wait a minute i know those words i know this song right Wait a minute. And then it was the chorus after like, son of a bitch. It it does hit you out of nowhere, that one, because I was exactly the same. I was just like, ah, oh, that's just there's a splinter in my mind now. I know this one. What is it? And and there it goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, also another connection to um Pulp Fiction, which I referenced earlier. The the code name for production of this movie was Fox Force 5. Oh, no way! Yep. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, and there's also the, the one nod... Oh, no, there's two nods to the fact that Suicide Squad existed. We've talked about one, the costume being in her little trove of uh, treasures. Yeah. Did you catch the other one? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm trying to think of it. No. It's I've, such a small thing, and I, I love may, it. I may have picked it up at the time, but it's not, it's not jumping to the forefront now. It's in the police fight, or just before the police fight, 
when she walks past the wanted poster oh, of Captain yeah. Boomer- Boomerang and goes, hey, I know that guy. Oh, right. Okay, so our, our local view cinema screen is kind of a bit shitty. I thought it was happy. Right. No, that's uh, that's Boomerang. Ah, okay, cool. Fair enough. I, yeah. <laughs> it's just another little nod back to Suicide Squad. And I was like, oh, that's cute. No, oh, like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's that's an acceptable resp- uh, like reference. <laughs> yeah, it is an R rating because apparently the studio didn't want to do a PG rated uh, all woman superhero movie because they were like, oh, sounds like a chick flick. And Margot Rogue was like, fine, we'll make it an R rating. <laughs> it does seem like a weird take though. Like, I love what they did. Yeah. But if you look at the Harley Quinn target audience, and I'll admit, there is a large amount of that audience who are in my age bracket or around about my age bracket who grew up on animated series. Yeah. But there's, with the, um, I forget her name, but the, the actress from Big Bang Theory is, has the animated show um, and the current comics. There is a large younger audience for Harley Quinn who are locked out of this film by making it an R rating. Mm. That seems like a weird take um, if you want to make money. But, I mean, I feel like the film the film is better for it. it. Like, the film itself is better for it, because... I kind of agree. Yeah. I don't think we'd have gotten the cocaine gag if it wasn't for the <laughs> R rating. And then this episode wouldn't have its title, and therefore would this even be a world worth living in? <laughs> oh, yeah, and the other thing that is... Um, that made me really smile and gave me the warm fuzzy in terms of references was it takes a while, but right at the end when you get the sort of where are they now wrap up from Harley of what happened to all the characters um, and you see um, the birds of prey Mm. as the birds of prey for the first time and you see Huntress in the purple with the cross on it and you see Black Canary in the the fishnets and you see them all in the gear and it's like oh yeah that's the birds of prey and that just oh that just got me right here yeah right in the feels right in the feels it's so good so they are definitely establishing that yes this goes somewhere if we're allowed to yes okay so go and fucking watch it (laughs) is it still in cinemas i mean it clearly is you went to see it uh, it is at the view in Redditch if you're going if wants to come here. Uh, so yeah, if it is still in cinemas for you, I will see it. Yeah. Hello, good, good, dangerously unprepared listeners. This is Simon of the future. Well, the comparative future for the episode and comparative past for you listening. Anyway, I'm just interrupting here to say that whilst it may or may not still be on in cinemas, all the cinemas are closed due to the collapse of society. However, after seeing Universal plan to put new releases on video on demand, Kathy Yan tweeted that she wouldn't mind seeing Birds of Prey get the same treatment, and she's got her way. So as of March 24th, which should be the day after this episode releases, you can watch Birds of Prey in the comfort of your own home. So, as Kyrie said, do that. Back to the episode. Oh, and a little bit of trivia. The reason there's only one hyena is the hyena was incredibly expensive to do. Yeah, really? They, they wanted to. They looked into doing two, and then they were just like, we don't have the budget. We can only afford the one. Fair enough. <laughs> Which Makes is a sense. shame. Anyway, yes, so, uh, Birds of Prey. 
Right. Uh, we didn't do it at the beginning of the episode, but anyone That's what else this episode is about. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Cool. Then uh, thank you all for joining us in this, the first episode of the post-apocalyptic era. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, like it's not it's not post-apocalyptic, but it's not pre-apocalyptic. What what's what is it called when it's during the apocalypse? I mean, you're counting on me to get this episode out in time. Oh shit! It's, yeah, 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 it's post-apocalyptic at this point. Yeah. Fair point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we are all bunkered down. the uh, The doors are barricaded. Uh, we all have our stockpiles, and. It, I oh shit, all... yeah. I was meant to do that. <laughs> I yes, bought a carrot. Get, get on a... that, Kyrie. I bought a carrot the other day. We're all right. You are so good at panic buying. Yeah. I, I, I salute you. I got a carrot uh, and I bought an I bought a two-pinter bottle of milk. Oh, that'll last. Yeah. You'll be fine. So I mean, we're not going anywhere, so I expect we'll be back next I hope week. Because so. we're not allowed to leave our homes anymore. Well, I, I am. But like I said, it's business as usual here. Oh yeah, that's true. The apocalypse hasn't reached Reddit yet. Uh, or, or it did a long fucking time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, if we're still alive, we'll hopefully be back next week. Yeah. Until then, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared and the fantabulous emancipation of one Simon. They call me... The Crossbow Killer. For fuck's sake! They call me Kyrie. I'm just Jack. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. And the cat's going fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs>